Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. I'm your host with the most, Thomas O'Neill, and with me as always are Gabe Casper and Joshua Woodrow. Today we discuss the pursuit of happiness, and I'm halfway tempted to do another artistic description of that terrible Will Smith movie from several years back. You know the one, down on his luck dad trying to turn his life around and make a better life for his kid, but fails miserably throughout most of the movie until at the end he becomes a millionaire financier. You know, the tale of every man, or woman, or every person. I don't know, do I still need to do this thing now that Gabe is in Michigan? Being PSC is exhausting. Anyway, today we discuss what makes us happy. Should it make us happy? And should we be pursuing it? You know what makes me happy, Tom? What? Not wearing pants. Because I'm not are wearing... Not, are... I am not wearing pants for this episode. <laughs> Pantsless? Another, strong, another I... strong start for Pint Glass Preachers. <laughs> I am freer than Free Willy right oh, now. Man. Hey, Free no, Willy. Not, 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 well, okay. You Shout out there. to our last step. Shout <laughs> out to our last episode, Free Willy. Although I'm not that free. I will admit, I'm not that free. You're just, you're just pantless. Can we, can we remind our listeners that my mom's listening, please? Good to know. Well, yeah, okay. that's what I'm saying. I'm not like totally hey, free. I'm still speaking, censored. Speaking of reminding our listeners, I'd like to remind our listeners about our awesome partner, The Gospel Economist. The Gospel Economist is an online publication made up of a group of writers and bloggers that seek the story of Jesus Christ and his payment for our sin in our everyday lives. You can check them out at medium.com slash the gospel dash gospel dash economist. That is also where our podcast is hosted. It's awesome. So you should go check them out. You can listen to our podcast on there. I mean, you're already listening to it now, but if you want to look at some other episodes, whatever else, they're doing great work. Um, I strongly encourage, in particular, by the way, if you're looking for guys to read, um, my buddy Matt Tolander is a contributor to The Gospel Economist, and I'm really liking his writing. He, in fact, just got a shout-out on a brand-new's Wikipedia page for his article uh, on their album, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me, just so you Tolander? know. I always thought, yeah. it was tol- I always thought it was like Tolander. No, Tolander, Tolander. Oh, but okay. anyways, well, certainly Mr. encourage Tolander, you to check out the Gospel Economist, my friends. Yep. All right, guys. So uh, what are we drinking tonight? Ooh, me first, me first, me first. Always. So, you're always first. I know. I'm very bad at being patient. So as you guys know, um, I am uh, in a, a new state now, a new location, and and – uh, and in the great state of Michigan. And so now I'm drinking some Michigan beers. And the first one I have for us tonight is called The Poet, uh, which Ooh. I really like. It's I've oatmeal. had that. Have you? Yeah, it's really, it's really good. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's oatmeal stout from New Holland Brewing Company based out of Holland, Michigan. And I'll tell you, I don't normally like dark beers, but I really like this beer. Do you know why also, I think you like it? Because why? there's a crow on the label. What? and. Speaking of crows, to all of our longtime listeners, maybe you heard about the time that me and Gabe got matching tattoos. Well, guess what? We did it again. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, yes, yes we, we did. did. Yes, we did. Yep. 
It's yep. true. It's it true. Tom left feels so left yep. cold. Yep. It's cool. What are you drinking, Tom? Uh, I'm just doing a pile of blow. So that's, you know, that's <laughs> it. Wait, oh my gosh. If I would have known the tattoo thing would have set you off and sent you down that deep, dark spiral, Tom. Oh my goodness. Wow. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a drink that I really wanted to drink tonight, and so just pulled out the bag of cocaine. Here we go. Not a uh, line, but a pile. A pile. Yeah, we're going Scarface here. Uh, no, I am a, I'm doing a, a bourbon and ginger tonight, and so I – Little summery, but still with the bourbon kind of harkening back to the to the winter months because I'm in Minnesota and it's springtime and it's supposed to be nice. I was at my kids' baseball practice today, but I'm wearing a winter coat because it's freezing. So kind of a, a mix and match, if you will. There so you glad. So, so glad that I live in the South. And speaking of which, a fantastic local brewery, the Chattanooga Brewing Company, is uh, providing me with my libation tonight which is their most recent release, which is a Belgian double, and it's quite nice. So thank nice. you, Chattanooga Brewing Company. You should sponsor our podcast and give us lots of free beer and free money. We love it. We take it. I hey, think they're hearing this right now, too. Oh, they're, they're big fans. Big fans. Uh, in, in the words of Men and Blazers, GFOPs, great friends of the pod. Uh, moving us along. Speaking of being friends, uh, be sure to check us out on our Facebook page and uh, and scope out what we're doing on there. Uh, Josh just got critiqued by one of our old seminary profs, which is pretty awesome. So, Dr. Gibbs, if you're listening, I appreciate your critiques always. And it was accurate. Thank you for correcting our theology. Um, at any rate, uh, and one other way you can stay in touch with us is to text us your questions at 612-208-6258. We should come up with a jingle for that. Six one two. We should two zero eight six two five eight. That's I think that's you just did a really it, nice man. jingle. Was that all right? Thanks, Gabe. You're welcome. I think it was. Yeah, I welcome. will not edit that out. As a matter of fact, uh, ding ding ding! Your wish has come true. We've had our first texter. Awesome. Yes, this one comes in. I happen to know this person, and he gave me permission to use his name on the podcast. Shout out to Eric Hawley, a newfound but recent convert to the podcast from Chicago IL. And he texted us in this question. What up, Indiana Brones? Love the podcast. Would love to hear y'all's thoughts on reading the Bible and asking the question, how does this apply to me? I was in a Bible study recently about David and Goliath and was asked, what are the giants in your life? It felt weird. I then read this book. Yeah, indeed. I then read this book by Gladwell entitled David and Goliath that explained overcoming the giant was less about praying the right prayer. But what about parables and other Bible stories? Should I be asking the question, who am I in this story? Love it. Cheers. Mm, that is such a good question. And Thank I like Eric Gladwell. Thank shout you. out. Thank you. I can tell you what the giants in his life are. Terrible Bible study questions. That's what it is. Ooh. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Mark. Um, okay, so, so just no, Eric, thanks for the question, man. Uh, so <laughs> here's a short answer. Well, it's not a short answer. It, I, I just rehearing the question again. The, the question you're really asking is, is should we ask the question, who am I in this story as we're reading a particular passage of scripture? And I think there's a time when that may be appropriate. But as a general rule in hermeneutics, uh, which is how to read the Bible, how to read a text, 
uh, as a general rule in hermeneutics, we're actually looking to say, um, I think the first thing we're looking to say is, is how does this point us to Jesus, right? And so take the story of David and Goliath. Uh, if you want to read that as, as a, I don't know, a way to, way to point something out to you, the, the first question I'd ask is say, how does this text point me to Jesus? And, and if you want to say, who am I in this story? You're probably a scared Israelite, and David is pointing you to Jesus. Um, so, so really, we believe Scripture is Christocentric, that everything points towards Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. Um, Josh, you want to tag in here? Otherwise, I'll just keep rambling. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I think I don't, Tom, you may push the sound alarm if this is too early to drop a theological distinction. However, I think it may be appropriate to identify that when we read the Bible, we see descriptions of accounts that happened his, in his, history, historical accounts. And we also see prescriptions by the authors mm -hmm. of scripture that tell us what to do and how to act. And a lot of times I think what we do is confuse the two. Yep. A descriptive account is simply a description of what happened. David, commanded by God, took three st smooth stones, put them in a sling, and killed Goliath. Um, and there are other situations in Scripture where the authors directly prescribe either instructions or behavioral changes or you know, in, uh, other commandments that say, you as a person of God, a child of God, a people of God should do this or do these things. And what we tend to do is take descriptive narratives and, and and turn them in on ourselves and say, what does this mean for me? What is scripture prescribing in my life? And that is just a slippery slope. It's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing to find yourself in the context or to interpret that in light of situations or people or events in your life. However, let's not turn narrative descriptions and historical accounts into direct instructions or commands on who we are to be yeah. as as a, as a person of God, honestly. Yeah. And so like a, a simple example would be to say this story, of David and Goliath, uh, you know, oftentimes, right. As to, to your point, um, our text in it, what's his name? Eric. Eric. Yes. Eric, Eric get it Eric. right. Sorry, Eric. Sorry, Eric. Uh, to your point, Eric, um, like reading the, the David and Goliath to say, you know, oftentimes the question is, what are the giants in your life? Which isn't like, it's not evil, it's not bad, it's not super wrong, it's just not super great. Uh, because sure, indeed, we do have giants. And so that's where, you know, Josh and I, we were just talking about this before we recorded, but let's say your giant is, I don't know, meth addiction. Uh, or in no, Tom's case, a giant Tom's pile of cocaine. Oh, right. So, so let's say that's your thing. Well, it gets to Josh's point, if you take a descriptive story like David and Goliath and say, well, you know, David trusted in the Lord in the face of his giant and the Lord delivered him. Therefore, if I trust in the Lord in the face of my giant of meth addiction, he will deliver me. But then when that doesn't happen, then we say either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with God. And really what you've done is you've taken a descriptive passage and misapplied it. But if you say, hey, a good thing to do in the face of whatever quote-unquote giant you may have is is to trust in the Lord and let Him determine the outcome. That's fine, but but you can't you can't hold those descriptive things that happen uh, hostage to your reality. And that Eric and our other friends listening is a biblical best practice. This might be a complete shot in the dark, but best practices for ministry conference. If you're listening to this, 
we would make a great addition because of our best practices in hermeneutics. And podcasting. And, and podcasting, podcasting. And general you coolness, know, except for our drug it, addict friend, Tom. If we did go to best practices, we would just need to podcast live the entire time. Just 48 hours straight. Like a running, a running podcast. Like 36-hour podcast. Yes. <laughs> It would oh, be so, great. That's so terrible. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, so before we go to break, I, we want to talk about what we are going to be talking about today for, for the rest of this time. And we're going to be talking about, as I mentioned in the opening, the pursuit of happiness. And so what does that mean? We're going to be looking at it from a couple different perspectives because I think the, the easiest thing to think of right away where we jump into is like this materialistic happiness. What, what can we buy or, or typically it's money. That, that's the first thing that we go to. But we want to broaden that out to, to all the different aspects in our life. And eventually, we're going to bring it to, to how we find happiness in, in, in Christ, in, in, our, in our faith, and, and what that all means and, and how we should look at that. So uh, stick with us. We're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. And Will Smith will join us. Will, will Smith. Smith coming up next, folks. Will Get Smith, he's here it. with us. Get will Smith, live in the studio. Welcome back, listeners. And I have some super exciting news. Will Smith is in my basement with me waiting to record this episode regarding the pursuit of happiness. Will, what? Oh, man. He's not actually here. This sucks. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. Born and raised. My days. Okay, man, so we'll never hear this because he'll be so deeply offended. Oh, man, he'll <laughs> love it. He'll love it. Well, listen, since Will's not here, let me just start us off by saying this. I don't think I believe in the pursuit of happiness. Shocker. What? I know. I know. For those uh, who've listened to any episode ever of this podcast, are probably not surprised at all. Um, Tell us more, Gabe. But no, I I don't think I do. And so, so here's what I'll say. I uh, again, real surprise here. I'm a, I'm not naturally a happy person. Um, what? I used what? To, I what? No, I know. Uh, I used to be, and uh, and then. You know, four years ago, my brain went crazy, and and I just stopped. And so and then you went straight edge. I was straight. I, I was straight edge before then for a little bit. Oh, um, oh, oh, you were you were happy and straight edge. I don't know if I was happy and straight edge. I think I thought I was at least. But okay, but that's the thing. So that's where I guess I would say this: like, I I don't know that I am, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like, I you know, but I how think, do you define how do you define happy? Because I think that. For us to understand why you say you're not a happy person, how would you actually define happiness? So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll answer that with an anecdote. Oh my uh, gosh! Okay, I can't wait to hear it. 
Yeah. So my dad, the other day, I'm at his house, and he says, you know, son, I try to do something I don't want to do every day. And I said, dad, I do something I don't want to do every day. Get out of bed. And, um, and we had a good laugh about it, but I think that to me is that's like the most depressing thing I've, you're actually depressed. Well, of course I am. We, we know this, this is, no, but no, I I think we always like joked about it, but Tom, back me up on this. Like the fact that he doesn't actually want to get out of bed every day is, is alarming to me. Well, like, no. I didn't want to get out of bed this morning because my my blankets were all warm and I was legitimately tired and you know I. But that's like be- once a week. Gabe is yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I just want to so, cuddle you right now. What's that? I just want to cuddle you right now. I, well, hey, we can cuddle later. Although you know you had your opportunity a couple weeks ago. And I did. I did. I tried to sneak down, but your wife would not let me in the bed. <laughs> Our marriage shame bed on, is not shame over. on Melissa. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and I'm not saying like it's you know it's not like suicidal or anything like that, but it's like a uh, how you say I like when I wake up, I'm like I kind of wish. Oh boy, this doesn't sound really dark. I can't. I don't know if I should go this dark on the pocket, but it's like the first thought in my head is like, well, I'm still existing. Guess we'll have to figure it out again today. Like, so it's not like a, here we are, gang. It's time to get it. Like, I don't, like, my life does not work that way. Like, I don't. Okay. So is that, like, no, no. Is that an unrealistic, like, idea of what you think other people wake up like? Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Is it? I don't wake up like that. Well, how do you wake up? I wake up and I hear my alarm and I snooze it three or four times and then eventually I get in bed and I sit down to pee in the morning and brush my teeth. And then, (laughs) yes, yes, actually, we discovered this when we were staying together for a little bit. But, um, and then I, we are going to talk about why you sit down to pee, but let's move on. Yeah. Oh, I do it because it's way more comfortable. Right when you wake up in the morning, you're tired. So just sit down to do it. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, fine, Tom. If it's making you uncomfortable, that's fine. And we won't talk about it. But, you know, and then I think this is where we differ. Like where you look at the the coming day as Uh like this dark cloud of like raging storm of existential crises that's headed your way. I just sort of see it as – the the mundane repetition of life and maybe there'll be something exciting maybe there won't be but it just sort of happens and you just have to do it because you're alive but yes okay so this is good because see that's what's weird is like my circumstances are so good and i guess that's why i don't really believe in this is like i couldn't ask for better circumstances i have a great family my kids are healthy my wife's a wonderful person um, I have a great a beautiful, job. Beautiful, wonderful, beautiful, clever. Great. I have a great job. I work with great people. Um, you know, I, I'm I, I get to do a great podcast with my friends. You know, so so circumstantially, what's that? I said that that's all you need right there. It is. It is. So so circumstantially, everything's as it should be, and yet, and, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but like happiness eludes me. Like I don't, I. I so would just you, say I'm not a happy person. So is this a so Are you saying that happiness is something different than satisfaction? So maybe that's it. 
Because I would say I, I lead a very fulfilled life. So, because it sounds like you're satisfied with your situation, but once again, I want to go back to when we first started talking about this. How do you define happiness then? Because I think we typically tend to think of happiness as some sort of ecstatic emotional feeling that where where, where we yeah. where we experience goodness, I guess, in our hearts or physically yeah. or something like that. But is that really what happiness is? Could could happiness be satisfaction and satisfaction happiness? For or you, I'd it doesn't sound word, like that. I'd even use the word contentment. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. With, with where you are. Well, and that's where I would say I'm content. Like, like I'm, I'm, uh, like this is what is, you know, so, and. So but, actually but quite no, biblical. No, no, Cause, game, Paul, cause I know, I know you well enough though, that you're not content from a, um, from a career standpoint, like you, yeah. you want, you want to write books. You want right, to right. you know, you've got other ambitions that, that either happen with this church that you're at now or happen five, 10 years from now. So, right. but, but you're content in the fact that this is where you are right now, you know? Yeah. yeah that's true. Contentment right. doesn't like result in dissatisfaction. Yeah. Well, so is the opposite of happiness dissatisfaction? Because I don't know if the opposite of happiness is dissatisfaction. Can we define happiness first? What, in your mind, what, what, how do you define happiness? Hmm. I would say a uh, a optimism about one's life. What about you, Tom? How would you define? happiness i think it i think of it on two levels i i i'll go with gabe's first in a general a general contentment of of where i am in life what my trajectory seems to be uh you know i got a i got a great wife i got healthy kids i've got you know a good job you know all that and things seem to be on track so i am happy with that well, I, and I think I, that's where I would but I, also, but I also look at happiness as a a day-to-day thing a like today I had to wake up early for a meeting which it was a meeting it wasn't like a bad meeting it wasn't going to be a great meeting like it was just a meeting I wasn't real super happy to do it but I'm not like upset about it I had a long day of work but the whole day I'm like you know what tonight I get to sit down and do a really fun thing with my friends this makes me happy you know, I am happy right now. Yeah. And I think that's probably where I land as well, where for me, I would define happiness very, very closely to satisfaction. Like if I'm satisfied, then I'm generally in a happy mood, but I feel like Gabe, you're thinking that happy is uh, a level or step above just general contentment or satisfaction. Well, yeah. Well, I, and I don't even know if it's that like, oh man. So let me, I'll, I'll put it this way. Like, like, I feel like happiness is a fulfillment of a longing. And for me, I guess I feel like that longing is never fulfilled. So, so for example, like in the midst of doing something that may be pleasurable to some, for me, I'm like, I should be doing something else. 
Why aren't I somewhere like, else? Like, like what? Like, since you're referring to happiness, give me an example. Are you talking yeah. something like going to a movie makes me happy or eating a great dinner makes me happy or listening to good music makes me happy or, or are you referring to something else? So let's go, let's go super meta. All right. You ready? So right now, uh, of course you would. Of course. Yeah, you would. of course I would. So I'm talking with two of my best friends over Skype about deep things. Things I all love, right? Deep things, two of my best friends, couldn't be beat. But right now, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I really wish I was just drinking beer and watching soccer right now. But wow. guess what? But guess what? I know, I know, I know. You're really offended. But guess what? If I was just drinking beer and watching soccer by myself, I'd be thinking, man, I wish I wasn't alone right now and was talking to Tom and Josh. Like there's, there's like a constant dissatisfaction. Huh. And is that just because, like, I'm a spoiled brat, or is that That's a human condition? You live a sad existence. Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's it. That's what I'm saying. That's helpful. No, I mean, helpful. like, well, I, I know it's not helpful, but at the same time, like, I think to myself, there are some things that I do, whether menial or, you know, have the potential for something greater, that I still think to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm happy doing this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I think to myself. Like I have a lot of hobbies, too many hobbies. I'm a hobby addict, you know, and, I, and when I'm building a coffee roaster or trying to get my motorcycle up and running or something to that degree, it can be frustrating. And at times I'm like, you know what? It would just be better. I would be more happy if I didn't have to deal with this. And yet at the same time, the process of, you know, enduring it or the process of participating in it eventually brings me some type of satisfaction where at the end of the day, I don't sit and think, I just wasted my entire day or wow, that was a terrible four hours of existence where I feel like for you, yep. you watch soccer alone and think my life sucks or I'm talking yep. to Josh and Tom. Uh, I'd rather be doing something else. My life sucks. Like yep. how is it that you live in a constant state of unhappiness while somehow being semi content? See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know, but that's that Josh, you've nailed it. Like that is exactly my existence. So I, and I don't know what to do. I'm also detecting just a little bit of uh, this idealized version of everything. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. You know, I mean, the, the, this is the, the problem that we see with, with, with porn in a marriage, you know, that like what you see is not what happens. Right. You know, and, yeah. and that's or what you, or what problems. you want to see isn't what Right, right. Or we watch, you know, we watch movies and Netflix and all this, and we see this, this, the pursuit the, of happiness, i.e. Well, the pursuit of happiness, but, but no, you, you watch this movie, I'm like, man, I want to be like that guy. I wish, I wish my life was constant adventure and living on an island and you know this and this and that. And yeah. and then when you look at your own life and you say it's nowhere near and it never will be kind of thing, yep. I feel like that's part of the. No, it's it what is. I'm hearing. Yeah, no, no, you're probably right. And, that, and and so, well, I guess I would say that, right? So that that's me is why I sort of don't believe in it in a general sense because, so where does even the language of pursuit of happiness comes from? Right? I, as I recall, it comes from the Constitution, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And and so, so it's kind of embedded in our cultural milieu. But like, go to the the, the, the slums of, of India, go to the go to go to some dejected part of the world, and say, "Hey, you should pursue being happy. Like it is a luxury 
to pursue being happy. Like most of only the world, you, most of the time define, is just trying to survive. I, I disagree. Cause if, if yeah. you define happiness as something far greater than contentment or satisfaction, and at least for me, and it sounds like for Tom, we would say happiness is equivalent to satisfaction or contentment. Whereas for you, it's something greater than that. And so I think that there are people, um, and, and I mean, of course you took it to the extreme and had to go to like the sons of India or something like that. But like, I I think of people who are perfectly content to be homeless or perfectly satisfied to you know, li- live in an area of town that some would, you know, would would see as undesirable, and they're happy for all intents and purposes. And yeah. so, I I don't, don't want to say it goes back to the comment you made about being a spoiled brat, but like, Maybe are that's we it, able are, are we able to disting- distinguish definitions of yeah. happiness between what is what actually satisfies and what sort of takes it to the next level of satisfaction? So l- let me bring this to an example that Gabe and I have shared. So we both visited the same orphanage in Peru. Yep. Together? Right? Yep. Oh, no, we, no, we didn't go together, didn't we? No, we, we went never go together. Oh, Did really? We? And how come? I, I think we didn't go one year together. Yeah, there was one year, I thought. It doesn't matter. Carry on. Hey, was this the hot, dog, the hot dog orphanage in Peru? Yeah, correct. Oh, man, what? Yeah, we'll bring just, you down sometime. Yeah, um, just chill out. Come on. I hope so. Move on. Uh, wow. So the the thing that was always interesting to me is we come to this orphanage and the and these kids lived an existence that by our standards we would believe would be undesirable. You know, Josh, you talk, you, you just mentioned something like that, right? right. They, they, they don't have a lot. There's not, you know, they don't have 55-inch plasma or LCD screens. They don't have, you know, some of them don't have parents. I mean, but those kids were happy. They right. they enjoyed aspects of their life. Not all aspects. Some they didn't like. But there was a general happiness about these kids. They knew that they had a family at the home that loved them. Their physical needs were taken care of to mostly were mostly taken care of. And they had friends and they and they all had a really strong faith in God and they knew that they had a God who loved them. Yep. Now, they maybe weren't content 100%. Would they like another pair of shoes that weren't falling off their feet? Yes. Would they like to have three meals a day instead of one or two? Yes. You know, there were parts that they weren't content, but they were happy. Yeah. And so it maybe takes me a little bit more to be happy or different set of circumstances to be happy. I'm not happy with a hot dog meal. They were. I would like something from a four-star restaurant in Minneapolis. Oh, you know? really? What American doesn't like a hot dog? Tom hates hot dogs. I hate. Hot Are dogs. you serious? Wait, you yeah, actually hate hot, hates hot dogs? Hot dogs. Oh, okay, so I, I, I did not too. know that. Oh, they're the worst. Like seriously, you you don't like hot dogs? If you can point to the part of the animal, <laughs> any animal that the hot dog comes from. You will and eat if you, pickle if you dip, just have to but circle. you won't eat hot dogs. Oh, my gosh. You are su- – dude, oh, my gosh. You deserve to be freezing cold in Minnesota right now while the rest <laughs> of the world is warm. You deserve it. So 
So, no, so, and that's true, right? If I had a nickel for every short-term mission trip I went on with a suburban housewife who said, they have so much less than us, but they're so much happier than we are, you know, I'd have like 50 cents. Um, Whoa. <laughs> and, yeah, so lost suburban housewives on short-term Ten mission times. trips. Ten yeah. times. Ten times I've heard it. So, yes, I guess you're right. I Like, that's true. So let me ask this, though, then. Go on, Tom. Well, I, I think part of that just, it just points to that materialism doesn't create happiness, but I have a greater point than this, but you go first. Okay. Well, my point, my, the question I was going to ask though, is then like, is, I, cause I feel like so much of our culture justifies its behavior in the pursuit of happiness. Right. And, and so we say, and, and that's why I've given up on it because number one, I don't experience it naturally. And then number two is I think it, it ends up leading to justifying behaviors. So like, Hey, um, I want to express, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll dive in the deep end here. I want to express my sexuality this way because it's what makes me happy. Who are you to stand in the way of someone's happiness? I want to, you know, rob a liquor store because it's what makes me happy. Who are you to stand in the way of what makes me happy? Like, like there's this so sort of idolatrization of happiness in our culture. And so that's why I've just given up on it. Well, so the thing that I keep thinking about every time we say the pursuit of happiness, it, if we're continuing to always think of the pursuit, the, a pursuit is we're chasing it, we're chasing it, we're chasing it. Does it ever end? I mean, if I, if I'm fortunate enough to get a better job or, or win the lottery or something, and I'm able to move into a bigger house. I'm pursuing a bigger house because that would make me happy. I'd have more room. I'd be able to do my hobbies in the basement that I don't have right now or, or you know, whatever. But then when I get there and a couple of years later, I say, man, I want a, I, I want a bigger house because that's what the Joneses have. And it's this right. constant pursuit. I think that's the bad part. I think that's the idolatrization of it. But I think if you can get, if you can understand that, hey, going out with these friends tonight makes me happy. I don't need to have something else going on if i can if i do move into the house this is what i need this is what i want this is this makes me happy well but i think that highlights the the issue because listen the the natural inclination is to take this to an argument of materialism but let's harken back to when gabe first said i'm i have a beautiful wife i have beautiful children um, I'm in a place that I want to be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he's happy. He's content. You know what I mean? He's not like chasing down other women or chasing down other children or a better house or anything like that. And so if we, if we sort of adjust the way that we're viewing this into perhaps, oh, I don't know, since this is a sort of Christian podcast, a spiritual pursuit then is there an end to the pursuit of spiritual happiness? Because I think that, and I, and I Gabe, I'm going to guess you would agree that the material pursuits of happiness or emotional pursuits of happiness are simply underlying symptoms of a pursuit for spiritual happiness. For sure. For sure. And, and that actually to me is the most problematic piece to me, right? In that like, of course, I don't expect to find happiness in the things of this world, even the good things of this world, like my family, right? I don't expect that to be the ultimate satisfaction of things. 
not the ultimate, but that is so pessimistic. I know, dude. I it's Listen, just how I am. I was at, I know. I was at Chick-fil-A tonight and something extremely profound struck me. Oh, there was, was a, a delicious cold. chicken sandwich. Well, beside the chicken sandwich. Yeah, no doubt. With the honey roasted barbecue is just cannot be beat when it comes to that Chick-fil-A chicken Bro, sandwich. How do you put anything on there but Chick-fil-A sauce? That's what yeah. I don't get. Dude, I would dare I want to venture. No, honey that. roasted barbecue is the step up from Chick-fil-A sauce. Just try it sometime. Well, Have you had it? I'm not. I just no, don't want to Exactly. I'm like because cheating on, on they, Chick-fil-A sauce. No, yeah, they don't hand it out like Chick-fil-A sauce. If you ask for five honey roasted barbecue, they give you one. They guard that because it's a secret, secret, happy place. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm not anyway, happy. Okay, go anyway, on. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that, that probably is why you're not happy. But anyway, the quote I saw up on the wall while I was sitting having a romantic, non-candlelit dinner with my wife uh, was by the founder of Chick-fil-A, True Kathy, and it said – Food is essential to life, so why not make it good? It's good. It's a good line. You know what I mean? And so it's like – I don't even know where I was going with this. I don't know where you're going with that either, man. Well, I mean I I, I think I see it as you're give, – Gabe, you, you have a wonderful, beautiful wife. Why not let that be good? Yes, that's where I was going, Tom. Ah, I could kiss good, you right now. Good. This is good. Okay. So here in you have amazing children. Yeah. Who have really great godparents. Um you have a cool okay. finest. Wow. Wow. Josh, are you not a godparent yet? Okay. Oh no, we are actually of Lila. Are you of Lila? I'm pretty sure. No, Tom is of Lila. Wait, are we of I'm Titus? Yeah, Tom has Titus. <laughs> or no, Tom is Lila. Josh, no, who's I'm the better godparent that yeah. I remember who Wait, my godchild is? Wait, who is t- <laughs> This is so Josh, embarrassing. Who's Titus? I'm pretty Josh sure I'm God. Titus's godparent. No, you're not. I think it's just my brother and his wife. Are you sure? We're not godparents of any of your children? No, not yet. Well, you'll be. You'll get number three. No, you know what? I am not three. happy. I am not happy right now. <laughs> Can you hear my finger pointing at my desk? I, I see am your not middle finger happy. pointing at your desk. Yes, yes. No, it's my index finger, everyone. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, that so you're right. And I should. And it, I guess to me, that's the whole struggle is like it it should be that good, right? Like it should be that simple. And and it's not. So so actually, uh Soren Kierkegaard gets at this in uh that sickness unto death. And did I talk about this recently? I don't, I don't know. Can we have like a little noise or a button that happens every time Gabe brings up a uh, philosopher? <laughs> we really should. Oh, uh, we should. Okay. So, no, in that sickness unto death, Kierkegaard gets at this where, like, uh, he, you know, he's really obsessed with this idea of being an authentic self. And, and his definition of a, an authentic self. Is, is when the person who knows what they ought to be is what they ought to be, right? When they when they fulfilled this this what they what they ought to be. So, and this is true. This kind of maybe has nothing to do with happiness, but but you know it's, it's kind of Romans seven, right? Where Paul says, "The good that I should do, I don't do. Uh, the the good that I uh, I or the bad that I do, I don't want to do. But this is the struggle I find myself in." And this is what Kierkegaard gets into. Is he says, you know, like like all of us have this this inside of us where we we know what we should be and what we shouldn't do and and we 
and we don't do it. And so he says, then we find ourselves in despair. And he says, in the midst of that despair, there's two things, there's a, there's a few things we can do. He says, oftentimes people just ignore that and they just uh, kind of give in to their carnal desires and just say, hey, this is what I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to pursue. And so that's kind of your classic materialistic pursuit of happiness. Like, you know what, whatever, having a jet ski makes me happy, that's what I'm going to get. But then there's those that deny that there's any struggle and they say, hey, just the nice things in life and the, the appropriate things in life are what keep me happy and that's what I'm pursuing. And, and Kierkegaard says, well, then they're just kind of lying to themselves. And so he says, the only way you find an authentic self is, is when it's been conformed basically to, to the image of Christ, when it's really been brought before the Almighty, um, which I would agree with, but don't always experience. In fact, would argue I rarely experience. Well, go back to the premise of that, or as the way you stated the premise was... Yeah. A person who knows what they should be and yep. haven't hasn't attained that. How many people know exactly what they should be? And I think that's fairly fairly narcissistic. Well, it's not like it, a, it can't be happiness because happiness is something we want to experience, but not what we necessarily want to be. Wait. I mean hold, Yes, hold, that's true. But in what yeah, context is is Kierkegaard talking about this? But yeah, so, so yeah, so talk, like it's not like a, and I know my calling is to be a journalist. Like it, it's not like a um, definitive thing that way, but it's like a a uh, a character of person. It's it's your integrity. So like deep down inside of you, Tom, you know the type of man that you should be. The type of man you should be. Like I know and the type I, of man I should be. And Which I would say, never I would say no. I mean, in, in some in some ways, yes. I know that I should be and want to be a faithful son of God. Sure. Or child of God. Yep. Or husband know? or brother, son. Or, or husband or things like that. But then I think about like, like what kind of father do I want to be? Do I want to be exactly like my father? And the way he raised us, do I want to be um, a, a, a strong-willed, do it my way? Because I've seen that work for other people. I've seen it not work for other people. Uh, you know, what's the best parenting style? What's the best way to be a husband? What's the best way to be a leader in my organization? You know, I don't know exactly. What I yes. do know is what I tend towards. Yep. And but so... What you but are you always that, happy with what you tend towards? I mean, like that would be no. Kierkegaard's point is that you're not, right? Which no. means there is some ideal you know you should realize. Whether or not you can define what that ideal is is besides the point. The fact is there is an ideal. You don't realize it. And his point is it leads you to despair. And I would argue how many people actually are that self-actualized that they know what that is. Well, that and that's actually his point is most of us don't despair. Because most of us just ignore it. And we just say, well, I'll just be what I am. We just Popeye it and say, I am what I am. Yeah, but and, what if the thing that you are is is a pretty decent thing? Right. And therein lies the struggle, Tom. Because what if the thing you are isn't a pretty decent thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so messed up. You know what I'm saying, though? But I think... But I think 
I, I what I what I think Josh and I here won't understand in your specific case, Gabe, yep. is that we know you to be a good husband. We know you to be a good father. We know you to be a good pastor. We know you yep. to be a good man. And yep. why is that not good enough? And that I don't know. So that's the elusiveness, right? I no, I don't know. For, for you, it is, but. Right. For many, many other people, myself included, like that that is enough. So Just like, like food is essential, so make it good. Like it can be good enough knowing that it's not going to reach its full potential or actual fulfillment until Christ makes it good enough. This is so fascinating to me. Okay, okay. So like you right now, Josh Woodrow, yep. under your head, someone oh, says oh, oh, okay. I don't have a gun to my head. Maybe well, a you do now. Head, you do now, head. buddy. You do now. Someone oh, wow. says, "Are you happy?" You say, "Yeah, yes." Tom, gun to your head. Someone says, "Are you happy?" You say, "Yes." Okay. You okay, Gabe? But 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 I want to go back. To, I want to go back. You say yes. I I know you're gonna say no, but I'd yeah. like it. Hope you say yes. I probably wouldn't. I'd be like, what? Maybe. How? How is that even possible? <laughs> I know. But, but why? What is what is what is oh my gosh. I feel but like this is the difference delving between... into like a counseling session on it is. This is good. like mental, emotional, and spiritual health. But how is it that you don't say yes? Is it just because you're philosophically thinking too way too much into this, or what? It might be. I, I think. It's maybe that it's because that's the other thing. It's like I know I'm not that smart to be like 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 Kierkegaard was never happy, but he was a genius. I don't expect geniuses to be that smart. I'm I mean, not he that also smart. Lived in a terrible time in human history. Well, he did, but he also lived in a really nice country during a terrible time in human history. I Fair mean, enough. That's know, true. You yeah, anywhere. Sure. Live in Denmark. Um, always. Which, by the way, is a whole other topic. You ever have it like when people are like. Ooh, Scandinavian countries are like these perfect utopias. We should model ourselves after Scandinavian countries. And I always think like, yeah, there's like 200 people in those countries. Like we're just way bigger, way more diverse. It's just not possible for us to model ourselves after. I'm trying to see why you're not happy because you should live in a Scandinavian country. Maybe that's the problem. (laughs) I'm I'm missing my roots. Anyways. (laughs) I I think this does does come back to though that – I'm not sure happiness equals contentment in all aspects. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am, I am content with my three boys. I don't want another. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mom. I, uh, you know, I, I'm content with that, but I'm not content with where my boys are as far as how they behave in public situation. I'd, I'd like for them to be in a different school. I'd like, you know, things like that. I like my job. I am generally happy when I'm doing my job. I would like a job that pays more. You know, I, I, I would like to have, I would like to be the executive director of a nonprofit again, you know? So like, I'm happy. And, and then that brings me to, there are some places where the pursuit of the thing is what makes you happy. Right. Well, I, maybe- I've got a I've got a buddy who is a who is a gourmand. He loves cooking. 
He's constantly looking for that new dish to improve on something that he's making. And it's this ever evolving thing. I don't think he's ever going to find the perfect sauce for duck a l'orange, but like Whoa. he's going to keep trying, Whoa. but he loves the process. He, I mean, Josh, you got your coffee. Yep. Have you brewed the perfect cup yet? You love no. the process of it. Exactly. Which is why I think that like, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like we could say that happiness will never be attained, but the pursuit of happiness isn't an intrinsical, like, poor effort mm. or or worthless effort. I feel like it's a worthwhile effort as long as the landing point of that happiness is a fulfillment sort of of who we are or who we were created to be. Well, so absolutely agree with that. But can we take it just one step back? Let's take the spiritual piece out of it just for a second. What? Yeah, Why I know. would you just, do that, Tom? Why? Why do you hate God so much? Yeah, you hate <laughs> God so much, Tom. You're like a pagan. Yeah. I know. You're I like know. a Nordic pagan. <laughs> with more cocaine. Yeah, um, go on. All those things that you just said about like the pursuit itself is not necessarily a bad thing. As long as we realize that maybe the end outcome isn't maybe isn't in our reach and never will be, but it's okay to pursue as long as we don't make that, that our happiness depends on the pursuit and that's just that's just within the the secular realm here but now that we get to the spiritual piece then i absolutely agree with what you said yeah that it's this it's the movement to the spiritual fulfillment which is as god's children that we are eventually reconciled to him right yeah and and that's and I guess to me I don't know this and I, I'm going to wrap us up here because because we gotta we gotta call it for for our good listeners, but but for me, I guess that's kind of what I'm banking on, right? Is that like I, I just happiness remains elusive to me, and yet my my contentment maybe is that Christ is faithful to His promise, and that ultimately it'll ring true for me one day that ultimately when he returns, whatever in the eschaton, when I die, I don't know, however it works out. You will essentially achieve eternal yep. satisfaction and content. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm banking on. And Man, on this side wish... of eternity, my end goal is just faithfulness. Well, but see, can't, that's, that's where I hate you. Because, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. helping. You gosh. can be there. You can find satisfaction you can be content to a certain degree on this side of eternity like just embrace that. it man. That's just embrace 4. it that's philippians 4 right i and it's i can do all things i mean that's that's what paul's talking about i can be in plenty and in want and da 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 and i oh, should i thought you meant i could slay my giants with rocks and a sling hey we've come full circle we have come full circle a perfect circle not a christian band but Ironically addicting. And ironically, a very anti-Christian band. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's not ironic. That's just 
don't it's know. Just it's identical. Yes. But they're good musicians. There's no they denying really that. They really are. And addictive. Yep, it's true. Anyways, oh boy. Wow. much better than Tool. Okay. Hey, oh, wait a minute. I feel, like, I, I feel like a better musical ending to this conversation would have been when Gabe was talking about being in this perfect state of contentment in the eschaton that we would make some mention of Nirvana and then that would bring us back to Kurt Cobain. But anyway. Close. Okay. So you're right. I'll work on being happy. We'll see what happens next episode. For now, we're going to go to break. Enjoy this rendition of Big Willie style. Not going to happen. All right, well, last call. It's last call. That was Will Smith with Big Willie Style. We are glad to be back <laughs> with you guys. Dare I say, we are happy to be back with you, our good friends, the listeners. Well, Josh and I are, be- are happy to be here. With yeah, you. I'm not. Apparently, you're super depressed to be back with us. I've never been happy. Um, but uh, but no, thanks for listening to my sad ramblings. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna close out here. And uh, you guys, do you have any parting shots, Josh, Tom? Anything you want to throw out to our good friends, the listeners, on our way out tonight? I mean, I'm fairly happy, content, and satisfied. Glad to hear it, Tom. I would say if you guys have any thoughts, wishes, prayers, or uh, ways that you think you that Gabe could find happiness, please text us six one two two zero eight six two five eight. Please, please, please. How can we beg for this more? Hey, six two five eight. So, if you want to hear the most depressing sermons in Southeast Michigan, come on out to ULC Ann Arbor. Uh, We're right on the campus of the University of Michigan. The Wolverines Uh, would love to have you there. Spartans are way better. Oh my gosh, we'll talk about this on another episode. Lansing, homeboy. Irish. Gross. Okay. Okay, Tom, you just stop. Tom, stop. Josh, if you would like to go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wait, if I would, I'm already in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you'd like to meet a guy named Josh in Chattanooga, Tennessee and go to a great church, check out Bridge City Community. You'll love it there. And uh, if you're hungry, why wait? Grab a Snickers. But if you're hungry for a long period of time, (laughs) I encourage you to check out Second Harvest where Tom works and (laughs) take care of your needs. Second largest food bank in the entire nation the largest food bank in the great state of Minnesota, Tom brings in the big bucks for them. That's it for us today. Thanks for joining us on Pine Class Preachers. We hope you find happiness in your life. Gosh, so depressing. That's how we end things. I guess we're out. (laughs)